Well, good morning, church. I know it's a little bit different right now. People are kind of like, what do we do? Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing worship this morning. If you want to greet somebody, you can wave at them, I guess. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, let's give him a hand. Sing the weapon. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to see. I'm going to see your victory. for 
your war cry this morning.
thankful to be back in to the church and we are the church but we're so thankful to be back in this building to worship you to lift up your name and we don't want things to go back to the way they they've always been 
We want to go deeper in our relationship with you. We want you to take us outside this building, outside these walls, to reach the people in our communities with hope, with the life-changing message of Jesus. Anywhere we look, we can turn on the, the news and see a bunch of names, but you are the name above all names. You are greater than anything. As we sing that again, I want you just not to worry about who's next to you, not to worry about what everything you've come through. This is solely about him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's lift his name up together and put his name above all names. Can we do that this morning? Because he is the name above all names. How many people know that he's great and greatly to be praised? How many people are glad to be here this morning? How many people are glad to be back together again? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Just a, a couple of, um, as, as you know, church looks different this morning, but God's still the same. Amen. Church looks different. But God is still the same. A couple of things that are different this morning. Um, uh, the first thing is, is you see a lot of kids up here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it wonderful to see uh, kids being raised in, in church? And um, we're so glad that, that they're with us today. And uh, when we get done here, immediately uh, following, our kids staff is going to come up and uh, we're going to do some ministry just for them, uh, about 15 minutes worth, and they're going to have a praise and worship song, and, and uh, you'll get to see a little bit of what happens uh, downstairs 
on a normal basis. And uh, so it'll be that way during phase one, but we're excited about that. Uh, the second thing that looks a little different is, is um, uh, there's offering uh, whatever boxes back at the back now. And uh, so uh, everything's back there and uh, feel free. You can still give online and, and all of those things as we've been doing over the last 10 weeks. Uh, but there's also those boxes back there. Um, so I, um, the first service, uh, it was, I told them that you ever heard of, they say it's like riding a bike. Anybody ever heard that? You know, if you haven't done something in a long time, it's like riding a bike. And and uh, and I found out at a uh, early age, you know, early age as I got older, that it wasn't true. Uh, there went I went for a long period and I didn't ride a bike. And uh, I tried to get on a bike thinking I could still ride a bike, and it didn't end so well. Uh, and so that's what it felt like the first service because for the last ten weeks, if I messed up, it was like take two. You know, uh, mess up, take three, take six. Uh, there was one time that I came in and, and recorded a sermon on Tuesday, and uh, after I went back and watched, I was like, that's horrible. And so then I went back and did it again on Thursday. Uh, so this is my second shot at this. So the first service was the guinea pigs, and, uh, but we're glad you're here this morning, and we're excited about what God is doing uh, in our community. How many people have ever opened a present, and when you open that present, uh, automatically you think, oh, you shouldn't have. Anybody ever been there? Now, you're not thinking, oh, I wish you wouldn't have bought me a present. What you're thinking is, oh, you really shouldn't have. Uh, it, it's one of those things that, that you get it, you open it up, and it's like, okay, now, as an adult, I have three choices. I can either exchange this, you know, up until, you know, for up until now, Walmart would take anything back. Uh, but at, at this point, you may not try it. But um, So you think, well, they want me to be happy. So I'll take it back. I'll exchange it. Uh, the second thing you could do is you say, I'm going to put it in a closet or under the bed. And, uh, you know, if they give me a call and give me a heads up that they're coming over, if it's that sweater that I just really don't like, I'll throw it on. Or if it's that, that trinket that, you know, that I don't like, I'll set it out. Uh, or, you know, you could re-gift it. Do we have any re-gifters? You know, you have a Christmas party early on before Christmas, maybe a work party, and you get something, and you know, it's the, it's the 47th um, box of cheese that you've gotten, or fruit cake or something, and you think, oh man, you shouldn't have. And uh, you know what? I, I've got plenty of these. I'm going to bless somebody with this. Uh, so you re-gift it. Now, you can make those decisions as an adult, <clears throat> but as a kid, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, we often tell our daughter, you get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. Has anybody ever used that? You get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. Now, Reese, she doesn't like clothes. So, now, when you're younger, you have no idea what's a clothes box and what's a toy box. So, you know, we went to a, a get-together for a four-year-old this week, and she had no idea what, what a clothes box was. But she would get to that clothes box, and she would open it and realize it was closed, and she would just take it and throw it at her dad. You know, because she wanted to get to. Now, when they get a little bit older, it doesn't quite work that way because they're smart enough to know that's a closed box. So all those boxes get left to the very end because they're just not excited about them. Now, have you ever looked inside of something and wished that you could change what was on the inside? Have you ever opened a present and said, man, I was really hoping it was this, but it wasn't and been disappointed? Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, man, I wish that I could change what's on the inside. I wish that, that I was more successful. 
I, I wish that I was a better parent, or I wish that I was a better husband, or I wish that I was a better wife. I, I wish that I was more like him or, or more like her. God's word has something to say about that. Now, we preach it, and we hear a lot of sermons on change, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We talked about that last week. You see, change is hard, but instead, today, I want to talk about something completely different. Today, I want to look at two guys in the Old Testament. Now, these two guys, they share some similarities, and they also share some differences. I want to talk about King Saul and King David the first and the second king of Israel. And when we begin to look at their stories, you're going to see that they're quite similar. They have some things that are alike. You see, when we first see Saul, when we first learn of Saul in the Bible, his family has lost some donkeys. And he has gone out with some other people to try to find them. Now, up until this point, he hasn't been successful. And so they, they get to a point, and they look at each other, and one guy looks at Saul, and he says, I have an idea. He was the idea guy. He said, there is a prophet of God who lives in this town. Let's go to his house, and let's ask him, Samuel, do you know where my donkeys are? So they show up at Samuel's house. Looking for donkeys. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. So Saul shows up at Samuel's house looking for some donkeys. And before he leaves, he has been anointed as the first king over God's special possession over the nation of Israel. Now, six chapters later, we're introduced to David. Now, David's story starts a little bit different than Saul's. Uh, David's not out looking for donkeys. What David is doing is he is out in the field taking care of his father's sheep, taking care of his family's flock. So Samuel goes to their house, and he begins to look for the next king of Israel. And so he goes through every son that was there, and they run out of kids, and he says, none of these are them. Is there anyone else? And they say, well, there's David, but it, you're not looking for him. He said, go get him. So he goes, gets him. He brings him in. And in chapter 16, verse 13, we read this. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So David is just out minding his own business. 
doing what he was supposed to be doing. Samuel shows up, and he is anointed the next king of Israel. Now, in these stories, when we're introduced to Saul and David, there are three truths, three things that I want to look at that are similar. Uh, The first thing is, is that they are called to it. They both have a calling on their life. God has a purpose for both of them. They have something that God has called them to. The second thing is, is that they're gifted for it. They're gifted for it. God calls them to something, and he then gives them what they need to walk in that calling. You see, we learn in both stories that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon both David and Saul. And thirdly, others could see it. Others could see it. Uh, We're told that, that Saul, when he left Samuel, as he was headed out, that he began to prophesy. And that people could see that the Spirit and the power of God was on his life. The Spirit also came powerfully on David. One day Saul was depressed. He was going through some anxious times. He was needing something, someone to soothe him. And someone said, hey, I know a guy. He said, he's a great musician. He's a man of war. He's a leader. He's good looking. You see, others can see when God has gifted someone. It's so easy to look at someone else and to see the thumbprint of God on their life. I mean, me personally, I look at other leaders and and I think, man, those guys are awesome. Those guys are awesome. I mean, during this time, I've been able to watch a lot of leaders, a lot of different churches, and I watch and I'm thinking, man, they're awesome. But it's hard to look in the mirror and see that God has gifted us. Why? Because when we look in the mirror, what we see are the flaws in our life. I mean, think about it. When you stand in front of a mirror, when I stand in front of a mirror, I have this, if you've never noticed, this is like a little red mark right here. And it's, um, it's strange. If you try to pick it, it bleeds a long time. But when I look in, and you probably, you may have never noticed it, but you will now. When you look at me from six feet away, you're going to be saying, I see it. But what happens is, is when I look in the mirror, that's the first thing I see. Well, it's either that or the wrinkles on my forehead or the bags under my eyes or, you know what I'm talking about. You don't look in the mirror and say, man, I'm beautiful. Some of you might. But most people don't look in the mirror and say, man, I'm beautiful. No, we look at the things that we don't like about ourselves. Why? Because it is hard to look in the mirror and not see our shortcomings. But the reality is, is that if we concentrate on those, if we concentrate on our shortcomings, we will miss the gift that God has given us. We will miss the thing that God has called us to. And if you're a follower of Christ, let me assure you that the same things that were true about Saul and David, they are true about you as well. The first thing is, is God has called you to it. He has put a calling on your life. 
Jesus didn't come and walk this earth just to save us from our sins. He came to save us for a purpose and for a reason. He has given us a reason and a purpose to walk this earth. I'm not talking about your career. I'm talking about your calling. I mean, as followers of Christ, if you've made a decision to follow after Christ, we all share some similar callings. We are called to be more like Jesus. We are called to love God and love people. We are called to make disciples and to be disciples. As a follower of Christ, you may have found your specific calling. I mean, maybe it's to be a teacher. Uh, Maybe you've decided to, to help prepare children and students for their future, to show them love and to nurture them while they're in your care. Maybe you've been called to start a business uh, so that people will know what it's like to work for a company that, that loves them and that, that affirms them and respects them. And a company so that when every person that, that walks through the door is served and knows that they're important. You may have been called to be a stay-at-home parent and just to, to love and to nurture your kids or, or maybe to homeschool them. You could have been called to be a nurse or a doctor and and to help people with their their physical needs, just as Jesus did so many times. You may be sitting here this morning and say, you know what? I have no idea my specific calling. But God has called you to something, and God will make it clear. Not only has he called you to it, he has gifted you for it. He has given you what you need to carry out what he's called you to. Paul tells us about it in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, when he says this, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Verse 8, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Paul is saying, if you are a follower of Christ, God has given you a gift. Do it. Do it well. You have got it. You see, there's so many people that do not see and do not understand what God has gifted them for. Sometimes we need help seeing it. Sometimes the people in our lives need help seeing it. I mean, many times people will come to me and they'll be discouraged. And they're thinking, you know what? My life is useless. I have no purpose. I have no reason. And my response to them is to try to help them and to encourage them to see the things that they don't see. Why do I do that? It's because even when we can't see it ourselves, others can see it. Others are needing to know and to be affirmed of what God has gifted them to. So if you're sitting here this morning and you have a hard time and you don't understand or realize what your gift is, I encourage you, ask somebody. 
Ask them, what do you see that God has gifted me with? What is it in my life that God is doing through me? You see, God has left his thumbprint on our lives. And because of that, others can see it. It's a great discussion to have with your family or with your friends. You you have what it is. You have what it takes. Now, this is where the similarities end with Saul and David. This is where the differences come in. David goes on to be mentioned 60 times in the New Testament. Saul, zilch. Why is that? One of the next times that Saul is mentioned after being anointed was when Samuel gathered the entire nation together and they were going to publicly anoint who was going to be king. Now, as far as we know, there was only two people that knew what was getting ready to happen, Samuel and Saul. They knew what was going to happen. So they come together, and so first they pick the tribe that he's going to come from. Guess what? They pick Saul's tribe. Next, they pick the clan. They pick Saul's clan. Then they pick the family. Surprise, surprise, they picked Saul's family. Then it came time to pick the individual. And here's what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. And the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. Verse 22, so they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So here we have it. Saul knew what was going to happen. Saul had been selected. He had been called to it. He had been gifted for it. The the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Others could see it. They could see his gift and his calling. But when it comes time for him to step up, when it comes time for him to walk into that calling, where do they find Saul? He's hiding behind the Samsonite. He's hiding behind the suitcases. All the baggage that they had brought to come together, he's standing there. Now, the Bible says that Saul was head and shoulders above everyone in Israel. So when you think about this, it's, it's, it is funny. Because you're thinking about, here's this tall guy that stands above everybody, and he's hunkered down behind some suitcases trying to hide from Samuel. It's funny, but you know what? We do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. God calls us to something. He gifts us for it. Others can see it, but in that moment, we hide behind the baggage. We hide behind the baggage of our past. You say, there's there's no way that God is calling me. I have too much in my past. There's too many people who know about me. 
There's no way that God is calling me to it. The last time I tried to follow Christ, I failed. We hide in the baggage of our past. We also hide in the baggage of our insecurity. God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not smart enough. Man, if I only knew more. And so when it comes time to walk into our calling, our insecurities keep us from doing that. It keeps us hiding behind the baggage. Not only do do we hide behind the baggage of our insecurity, sometimes we hide behind the baggage of our security. God, if I step out of my comfort zone, if I step out and fail, everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know, God, I am perfectly satisfied right here. God has called you to it. He's gifted you for it. But in that moment, you're scared to walk in it because you're satisfied and you're secure and you're safe where you are. Sometimes, and especially up until the last 10 weeks, we can hide in the baggage of busyness. God, if I only had more time, if I only had more time to to do what you're calling me to, but God, I I don't have time right now. Now, over the last few months, God has slowed life down. Even for those of us who have worked the entire time and and, and some of us have maybe worked harder than ever before. But in that moment, there's still, for us, my wife and I, there's still some downtime in the evening. We're not running to soccer practice or running to this or running to that or or going out to eat. Uh, You know, there's nothing, you know, it's, he slowed us down. And I believe that people talk about, I want to get back to normal. My prayer is, is that what was back there wasn't normal. I don't ever want to be as busy and not have time to do the things that God has called us and called us to and gifted us for. I believe that we have a a chance, sort of a a do-over, a reset And my challenge to to everyone today and and to myself is do not allow yourself to be sucked back in to where you were when it comes to busyness. We also can hide behind the baggage of comparison. God, if I were more like her, if I were more like him, God, I'm not as good as that person or I'm not as talented as as them over there. If, If I was, God, I would walk in the calling that you've called me to. But I'm not, so I'm just gonna hide in the baggage. But here's the problem. If we are buried in the baggage, we cannot go to where God wants us to go. And if you know anything about me, I'm very transparent. And I will tell you, I have been there. Back in June of 2016, when I was set up to take over as lead pastor of Gateway Church, very few people knew what was going on. But I knew. 
And there were so many nights that I laid in bed staring at the ceiling. There were so many mornings that I woke up staring at the ceiling saying, you know what, God, I don't have what it takes. God, there are so many better options than me. I mean, all of these baggages that we just went through, I went through them all. Every day, I would go through that. I looked at all the other pastors, and, and, and I was happy simply to be in the background. I was very secure where I was. You take care of all that stuff. I'll, I'll make sure we have teachers, and I'll be the sound person and the technology guy. And, 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 and I was very satisfied in what I was secure in. Fortunately, there were others who looked at, at me and they said, yeah, I know you don't think you have what, what it takes, but you do. Now, I won't tell you that when they said that, that I believed them. But they began to continually speak that over me and to give me that encouragement. And if you're struggling with the baggage and not being able to walk what God has called you to. Surround yourself with people who will speak truth into your life. And if you're a person and you see someone who's struggling, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to speak truth into their life to tell them about the positive and the gifts and the callings that they have. God didn't call you and he didn't call me to live among the baggage. But now David, he responded completely different than Saul. When David, when we read about David the next time in Scripture, David is at the battle lines. And he showed up to deliver his brothers some dinner. And when he gets there, he sees the Philistine army. And this Goliath, who is challenging the people of God. The same very people that David knew that he had been anointed to deliver. That he had been anointed to rule over. To help protect and when David saw Goliath and he saw that no one was responding, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, verse 26, it says, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So now here we have David, who does a 180 from Saul. When David comes to that moment, when Saul came to that moment, he knew that he was called to it. He had been gifted for it. Others could see it. He hid in the baggage. But David, David stepped up for battle. David said, you know what? All I have is a slingshot and some stones. But he picked him up. He picked up what he had. And you see, what happens is, is when we look at ourselves and we say, 
God, I don't feel like I have what it takes. The problem with that is that we are basing the outcome on our ability. That's a bad thing to do. Because anything that you do, if you base what you're called to on your ability, you will fall flat on your face. But the outcome is not based on our ability. But as followers of Christ, the outcome is based on is based on his. You see, David understood that being gifted and being called to it, that he had to walk in it, but that it wasn't in his power. It was in the Holy Spirit that lived in him. If you're a follower of Christ, you're gifted. God has called you to something, and he's given you what you need to fulfill and to walk out that. You have what it takes. Now listen, there's some days, almost four years later, that I wake up in the baggage. There's some days that I feel like when I'm looking at myself and my ability, I say, God, I... I can't be the husband I need to be. I can't be the father I need to be. God, I can't be the pastor that I need to be. But when I'm doing that, when I really look at it, I realize, you know what? I'm basing the outcome on my ability. And it's not dependent on me because in myself, I can do none of those things. But the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4 that we can do all things, all things through the one, not ourselves, but the one who gives us strength. It's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on me. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that will come powerfully upon you. It's time to walk into that power. And this isn't just for me. It's not just for Pastor Nick or for each of us. He's called you to it. He's gifted you for it. And today, I believe that it's time for us to stand up straight and tall, to quit hiding behind the baggage, to stand up just as David did on, when he walked up to that battle line and said, who do they think they are? Who is it that thinks that they can take out God's people, I'm going to fight. I've been called to it. He's prepared me and gifted me for it. I'm going to walk in it. And my challenge to all of us today, put yourself out there for everyone to see. We all have something that we're called to. You know what that is? We are called to make a difference.
That's what we're called to. Called to make a difference. God has gifted us for it. Others can see it. You know, as over the past 10 weeks, over the past 10 weeks, we have been quoting and standing on Romans 8.28. We sang about it. The first song this morning. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. God works everything together for his good. For those who are what? Called. We're called. And over the past 10 weeks, we have watched the gospel be spread to places and to people where it's never gone before. Just through our live stream only, we've seen people come to the knowledge and the saving power and grace of God. And so now the challenge is as we begin to gather again, as we come together again, is that we as followers of Christ will seize the day, seize the opportunity to know that we can make a difference. How do we do that? It's found right back there. Love God, love people. That's what we're called to. And as an individual and as a church body, when we moved to this community over a year ago, we felt called to it. God has gifted us for it. Others can see it. We have to walk in it. Making a difference. Right where you are, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to make a difference. Just slip up your hand. How many people want to make a difference? I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. As a follower of Christ, that's our goal. We need and we are called to make a difference. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer. And then Nick's going to lead us in a, in, a, in a simple course. But I want you to leave here knowing that you're called to it. You're gifted for it. Walk in it. Let's pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I am so thankful to be able to stand among these people once again. God, I pray and I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, that you have a plan. God, I thank you for calling me, for calling us, for gifting us, for allowing others to speak into our lives. And God, I pray that now is the time. God, help us not to stand in any of the baggage. Help us not to hide and to cower down in our insecurities or in our security or in our busyness or in comparison. God, help us to know that you have called us to something that's beyond ourselves.
something that we can't do on our own. God, I pray that every day that we will walk with the knowledge of knowing that without you we are nothing, but with you we can do everything. God, help us to make a difference in our families, in our workplace, in our relationships, in our community. God, help us make a difference. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask. Amen. Can you just, can we close in this course before we do anything else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.